Here we go. Here we go for another episode of the Techie and the Cowboy. My name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. the Techie. And I'm T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. the Cowboy. And today we're talking about ethics versus morality. I'm excited about this one. How about you, T.W.? Well, interesting. Yes, from an intellectual point of view, this this was a topic that you chose. And since you and I had talked about us possibly doing this, I've talked to several of my friends to just to get the reaction. What do you think is the difference between those? We'll discuss this, but it's interesting to see what different people had to say in different, they were kind of saying the same thing, but in different ways. And I thought it was just interesting. And it was a great conversation. This is one of the things that my dad pounded on me whenever it is that I was growing up and the difference. He would constantly give me uh, different situations where it is that it's an ethical call or it's a call that's actually about what your, your morals are about. So I'm interested in talking about it as well. But before we do that, let's roll this amazing intro. And now a few minutes with two of my friends who will soon be yours, the Techie and the Cowboy. All right, we're back. Now, you've been actually reading a book, right, T.W., and it has a whole section on ethics versus morality. So maybe you want to start with the intellectual stuff, and then we'll start to get into some of the, you know, how it is that you feel about it. So. Okay, the book is called 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos. It's written by a PhD kind of guy called Jordan Peterson. Apparently, he's well-known, very popular. A lot of people will have parties or meet at bars and watch the YouTube videos of him explaining the things that are in his book. So it, it, it's pretty good. And essentially what he is trying to do is talk about the reason why I use the word chaos is that he recognizes there are two states, order and chaos. And when life is going the way that we want it and everything is familiar and we're in our own house and we have the same people around us, stuff that is order. Something happens, we're thrown into chaos and we have to, to live with it. So it's, it's kind of like, how do we adjust? He's, he's going through you know, those kind of considerations. But what he was talking about in the chapter that uh, he was talking, the chapter is compare yourself to you in the past and not to someone else, because it doesn't do any good to compare yourself to somebody else. And in it, he said, the philosophical study of morality, of right and wrong, is ethics. Such study can render us more sophisticated in our choices, even older and deeper than ethics, however, is religion. Religion concerns itself not with mere right or wrong, but with good and evil themselves, the archetypes of right and wrong. Religion concerns itself with the domain of value, ultimate value. This is not the, the scientific domain. It is not the territory of empirical decision. People who wrote the Bible and edited it, for example, were not scientists. They couldn't have been scientists if they wanted to. Their viewpoints, methods of practice of science wouldn't have been formulated when the Bible was written. Religion is instead about proper behavior. And he was going on to say that, you know, a lot of people will follow religions blindly and, and dedicate themselves to obedience. But he said, 
Obedience is not enough, but it's at least a good start. You cannot aim yourself at anything if you are completely undisciplined and untutored. So what he was getting back to was that, you know, ethics, morality, basically it is the study of good and evil and how you comport yourself knowing what you know about good and evil. It's an interesting thought process. And the way that my dad always hammered it in on me and made me think about stuff is that there's certain things that is that are, are like rules, like rules of, of what you should and shouldn't do. And there's certain things that you know are right and that you know are wrong. I think God gave you this sense of discernment in the back of your head. One of my mentors used to always phrase it like this. There's a little feeling that you have in the back of your neck whenever it is that you're doing something right. And there's a little feeling that you have in the back of your neck whenever you're doing something wrong. That you just know, you don't even know what's wrong with it. You just know it's off. And that's what uh, God's sense of discernment really is, is that feeling for you to be able to know what's good and what's evil what's right, right and what's wrong, when something is off, like when you're talking to somebody, maybe it's a car salesman or somebody, you're just like, I don't know what it is, but something is just off about this whole type of situation. It's that same discernment that gives you your morality, right? That gives you your sense of knowing what's good and wrong. Now, the question, the, whether it is that you decide to take an action that's against your morals, against what it is that you actually know is right and wrong, that's where ethics come into play. And that's kind of the way that he, uh, he phrased it and did it. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's how I've always kind of viewed it. Yes. And you and I have talked about before, my dad gave, well, he didn't give me a list. I just wrote things down because he repeated them over and over again. So I have what is called Doc Lawrence's rules, which is the set of values that I developed as I, you know, grew up. Then of course, as we know, I went to a military school and they taught the traditional set of values that the U.S. military was subject to, particularly if you're going to be an officer, that there were rules that you had to follow. Interestingly, in one conversation I had with some of my colleagues, one of my friends distinguished ethics and morality as ethics is what is inside you is built in as your set of values, whereas morality is set by the community in which you live. And therefore, morality can evolve and change over a period of time. For example, at one time here in the United States, being a homosexual was illegal. Now it's not. So then you'd have to say, well, okay, that has changed because morality has changed. Has that changed as a matter of ethics? Long debate goes there. So that's just an example. Another friend of mine said that Ethics is what you will do if the behavior that you're about to do, if you absolutely knew that you were going to get away with it, the people who were involved all got kidnapped by aliens or you know died in a car crash or something like that, would you still do it? In other words, we've heard this a lot in church from time to time. It says, you know, if you do something and you're in your home all alone and nobody sees you do it, except for God, would you still do it? And the answer to that is saying, would you do, is the same question as, would you do something that you knew was wrong according to the rules that are your value system and the ethics you were taught over your lifetime? So that's you know, a way of looking at it. For example, uh, I developed, I wrote down 18 different rules that my father had, but he always said, Lawrence's first rule is, 
a deal is a deal. If you commit to doing something, you do it, period. That's it. And so that is, that is one thing I notice about other people. When they say something and, and then they don't do it, it's just kind of like, wow, you broke Doc's rule. I love what you said because that just proves, again, that ethics will ch can change with the environment and with the way that things do. But morals are something that are learned that are kind of set with you. But I kind of, I've heard that, you know, people say that morals don't usually change because those are your personal values. But I don't really agree with that. Because if you look at how many people it is that change religions, change belief system, something happens that really rocks or shifts their paradigm inside of life. And all of a sudden the different morals that they may have grown up with, the different things that they think are challenged in some different way. And then all of a sudden they're forced to be able to look at the world a lot differently or look at things a lot differently. So I, I think that you can actually grow up a little bit <laughs> and your morals will shift or you can actually mature in your morals and actually change them based on what it is that you've experienced in the world. Right, and, and part of that is I think disillusionment, particularly if like, like just say it's wrong to steal, it's, it's wrong to uh, cheat people but then you see a whole class of our society that you know are preying on people and cheating and they are rewarded immensely in a material sense. You're keeping yourself on the straight and narrow and you're almost impoverished. So at some point you say, why am I knocking myself out with you know, my high and mighty morals because it's just not paying off in this world. But the morals don't change, you just decide to switch up your ethics, how it is that you're going to actually respond to them, right? And so that's, right. that's a big portion of what it is that we're, we're talking about is that, you know, usually if you have a set of rules, unless there's, there's something that challenges you at the core to be able to change it. For example, I have a lot of people that have switched over from, uh, not to pick on two different religions, from like being a Catholic to being a Baptist, and they have two totally different ways that they look at God, or I've even had people who it is that um, switch over from uh, being Baptist to be able to uh, to Judaism, right? And two different ways that you look at, uh, you know, your faith, right? And then all of a sudden, their morals, the stuff that they've grown up with that's solid on their foundation, they built their whole life, have now been shaken at the core at such a level that they start to question the existence of God, what their whole purpose in life is and, and everything else like that, which can be a tough place to be because you have to kind of go through this whole transition phase of what is it that I believe, what it is that I grew up on and what it is I believe before or this new uh, way of thinking that's been presented to me uh, that seems more right, right? And then you take actions based on those. Things. Correct. And then the question that you have just posed is that there is on a scale somewhere, somebody could measure it say this is absolutely right and this is absolutely wrong that does not change throughout millennia you know wrong is wrong the question is do you recognize it a and b do you adhere to it and as you say people can make decisions and circumstance changes in their life and they say well that's not as important it doesn't make it any less right or wrong it is your attitude toward how you view that right and wrong. And so it comes, once again, it comes down to the, to the individual and how they perceive things and how much they are, are, are willing to work for it. Look, for example, the people who were believers and then they found themselves persecuted and how many people stopped publicly, at least, being believers and wouldn't stand up for it because 
it was somewhere between inconvenient and dangerous. So did their beliefs change any? No, their thought of how do I get along in this in this world and with the least amount of pain and they act accordingly. I think the other the big thing that that determines whether it is that your your morality shifts and changes is who actually influenced originally influenced whatever it is that your core rules are about. Like, was it man-made? Uh, using the church, for example, or using your parents, for example, things that you were taught whenever you were growing up, for example, you know, these are things that are ingrained in you because it is that you were taught so early that you've built your whole life and your whole belief system around them. But I, I was talking, I was actually reading a book about a guy who it is that grew up in a criminal family, like a massive criminal family. And that's all it is that he knew. Like he looked at his whole life through the lens of getting over on people, trying to find a way to manipulate people, because that's all it is that he knew. Even though he, he was taught that it wasn't necessarily following the law, he was also taught that the law was just there to be able to find a way to be able to get around, right? Like the whole, <laughs> they made it so it was his moral compass was skewed from the very, very beginning. At a certain point, when you get to a certain age, you get to make a choice on whether it is that you want to be able to continue to follow this moral code that was laid out for you, or whether you want to make a difference. But some people are so ingrained and they have, they look at their parents or they look at their family or they look at it like the things that they say is, is law that they don't ever think about challenging this until it is they get into, in this case of this gentleman, he was actually in jail. And he was separated out from the people who it is that was always pushing that on him. And that was the big paradigm shift when he got to be able to have a mentor in jail who showed him why all the stuff that he did was wrong, why all the different things that he learned and his whole way of thinking whenever he learned was wrong. I mean, not just wrong because he was doing it, but wrong on how many people it is that he hurt, he injured, he took advantage of. And that was the big paradigm shift that happened for him. So so talking to the, the people who it is that are listening, who it is that maybe are in things that they feel like it is that are morally wrong, but their ethics have justified them doing whatever actions it is, I say that it's never too late. It's never too late to be able to explore what if it is that I did stuff different? What if it is that I did something different? If I have this feeling deep down in my soul that, uh, you know, what it is that the life that I'm living is, is not necessarily right or it's not necessarily right for me, there's always the ability to change because this gentleman happened to be later in his life, whenever it is that he made this huge drastic swing of what it is that he thought he believed in and the actions that he was going to take once it is that he got out of, of jail, right? Since both of us were heavily influenced by our fathers, I found that I didn't write these rules down till about uh, 15, 18 years after my father had died. It became important to me on some kind of self-evaluation. And one of the things I have wondered over a period of time, and you can speak for your experience, is that suppose there were actually, instead of 18, there were 25 rules, and I didn't agree with seven of them, so I never carried those forward. You know, because let's face it, uh, when he grew up, it was a different time. You know, his attitude toward uh, ethnic groups would be considered to be woefully politically incorrect. I witnessed part of that. And I chose not to get involved in that. So I dropped, I dropped part of his belief system. So did I, did I drop others? And this is a group of rules, ethics, value system, whatever you want to call it, that I chose that I could cling to that were important to me and that I could follow. Now, what you were saying 
about people realizing that they had done something and now they could still have time to change the stuff is conveniently covered by Doc's rule number two, which is there might be a reason, but there's no damned excuse. <laughs> and so, I agree with you because there's a set of things that my dad taught me and I, I find myself uh, reteaching them to my sons, right? And to my daughter, right? These different or these different um, morality clauses that he's given me over the years. Um, but there's also some that I've added. And I can even say that I've taken a lot of stuff that my mom has taught me too, because they were two totally different people. They agreed at the core, they were equally yoked, which is why they've been married for so long. Um, and they're going on 50 years of marriage, right? But at the same time, there's certain things that my mom pushed for us to be able to do and actions that we took, like volunteering and getting out there in the community and everything else like that. Now, my dad was the type of person that would, would give you the shirt off his back if it is that he felt like you're in need. He went above and beyond to be able to help people who were in need. But my mom actively sought out people who it is that were in need. Like we went to this the homeless shelter and we did the volunteering and everything else. And these are things that I took on as just stuff that you do. So therefore I passed it on to my family and to my kids as part of what it is that we do as well. So there's certain other things that I've written into my moral code that now I'm passing on to my kids. And like you said, there's certain things and certain ways of thinking that I've eliminated as well, because again, different time, different culture. Uh, you know, the Caribbean culture tends to be a lot more raw with a few things, right? So I've edited those things out of my moral code that I'm pass now passing on to my kids. Right. But the, the other thing you've, you've kind of indicated with the example of that uh, fellow who was in the criminal family thing is that it kind of depends upon, you know, that you've seen the thing where they take a tuning fork and, you go, mm, and they get some other instrument to come up to that. So they're both, quote, in harmony. Yep. And so you can, you know, if, or, or like two singers that one hits a pitch and the other brings their voice to hit the same pitch. They are in harmony. So what we tend to do, or we tend not to do, or we tend to slide in between, is to find people, a group of people, an individual, friends, whatever, that are in harmony with our set of values, as opposed to someone who's completely opposite, you're always having to fight against, and you just, you, know, you just basically... Uh, in the vernacular of the 60s and 70s, you know, uh, that dude brings me down, so I stay away from him. And I find myself doing that with, with a number of people. It's just kind of like, I don't agree with the way that you have chosen to make decisions. It's different than mine. Your stuff, I'm not going to fuss at you about it, but I choose to be with people who are more aligned with what I do because I'm more comfortable. I can relax. I can enjoy them. I don't have to put up a fight. It works for you and that works against you. A lot of people use this to be able to justify the things that they want to do because they find other people that are doing the same thing. It's, it's the old back in school adage that, uh, you know, whenever the whole class is get, doing something and then the teacher comes in and they're like, but everybody else was doing it, right? So sometimes you'll find yourself falling in with the crew that's not necessarily doing stuff, uh, you know, that, that ethically correct, just because it is that you want to be able to do that and it's fun. You know, uh, the, the nerdy kid that hangs out with the bad guys because it is that they want to feel more alive by hanging out with the, the bad guys, you know what I mean? Or, you know, just the, the, the girl who it is that dates the bad boys because it is that they like that whole living on the edge and they're not necessarily living like that. So sometimes we can, opposite of what you said, find ways to be able to hang out with the people who it is that 
live the life that we maybe envy or whatever else. And uh, that could be an issue, which is why I love what it is that you start off with your author. I say it this way, self to self for comparison, self to others for inspiration is what I tell my clients whenever I'm coaching them with health, because we do a lot of before and after pictures and inside of our private group. And we do a lot of coaching where they're seeing others' progress. It's easy to be able for them to be able to compare themselves to others and get off on what it is that they're thinking. It's the same thing that the book, the guy in the book said is that if you really want to compare yourself as to how it is that you were in the past or how it is that you're improving moving forward and not looking at other people. Yeah, there's a, a famous quote that I remember that I think might apply to the situation that you have just described. And that's where the character says to a person that he's performing a burial for in the middle of nowhere, he said, what you done or what you ain't, that's between you and God Almighty. I got trouble enough watching after my own fretful soul. And so, as you say, if you keep up with what you are doing and where you want to be according to your set of values, then don't worry about anybody else because ultimately you have the responsibility for yourself, not for the entire herd. It doesn't, you know, you can become a co-conspirator and still go to jail, but it's still your doing. You got to make the choice. I love it. That's a great place for us to be able to end. So any final words for our listeners when it comes to, you know, ethics versus morality and, you know, their ability to be able to, to really look at the things that they grew up with, the things that they've learned that have formed their moral code, and then the things that they know are right that are, you know, almost kind of written in stone by their environment or whatever thing around them, which is their ethics. So any final words that you have to say on that, TW? Well, I would, I would carry on and discuss it. If, if you're interested at all about where you are, you know, on this continuum, I would have a frank discussion with somebody that you knew well and could trust and do it confidentially and that kind of stuff and say, uh, given here's the situation, what would you do if you knew it was perfectly okay to do in the eyes of society or in the law? What would you do? And that will tell you where you are in your set of values. And you have to examine, is that something I want to be known for, live by, et cetera? This is also a good, great conversation to have with siblings and family members and people that you grew up with, especially ones that have completely changed, you know, what it is that they believe is that, you know, what caused you to be able to switch or, you know, these different things that we grew up with, you know, <laughs> how do you feel about them now that you're adult? I mean, it's just great conversations to be able to have. Sure. So we always encourage you, if you have any questions, comments, or, or anything like that, our Facebook page, our Instagram page is a great place to be able to reach out to us. So go ahead and reach out to us there. But with that being said, my name is Alistair Hunt, the techie. And I'm T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. the Cowboy. And we're out. Let's roll that outro. That's it for this episode. Join us again next time for the Techie and the Cowboy. Hit us up on our website, thetechieandthecowboy.com. Let us know what y'all think.